0: Hey there everyone, before we start the episode today, we just want to take a moment and pay our respects to a local legend in the Chattanooga wrestling scene.
1: Absolutely, Drew Game, easily one of the most influential wrestlers in this area, had a massive impact on almost everybody in the scene today's lives, helping shape their careers into what they became today, and helping shape up a lot of the local independents into what they became today.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of the people that we have become friends with at TWE and outside of that, that were trained by drew he would freely and happily you know give notes to them to help them really hone their craft and abilities we had the wonderful privilege of meeting drew a handful of time and every time we did he made us feel like an old friend like we had known him for all of our lives
1: it's definitely a a shame that he went away far too early all that's left behind now is the memories and the influence he had on everybody and the local wrestlers and shaping them into what they became today.
0: You will be missed Drew and we know everyone else misses you as well. You're listening to the Wrestling With Film Podcast. I'm your host, Bentley. And I'm your host, Will.
2: And I'm your guest, Andrea.
0: And on today's episode, we have a lot of wrestling news to cover. Will, what's some of the wrestling news that we have?
1: We've got some pretty crazy wrestling news. We've got TWE Chattanooga's doubleheader show with action wrestling. We have NXT TakeOver 31. And then we have some G1 Climax update. Oh, that's going to be awesome. And our guest today, Andrea tell us about the movies that
0: we're going to be watching today
2: today we're going to be watching the city of lost children and amelie
0: wonderful so i know city of lost children is one of your favorites and amelie is one of my favorites so i think this would be a really fun uh, discussion for us so i think we have an exciting episode ahead everyone stay tuned Hey there, everyone. Thank you so much for sticking with us. Will, tons of wrestling news going on around the world right now. How about you fill us in with what's going on?
1: Absolutely. I'll go ahead and start things over with the G1 Climax over in New Japan. Naito is still leading the B Block. He's at eight points now, and Tanahashi and Evil, as well as Toro Yano and Juice Robinson trailing behind him at six. But then over on the A Block side, where things are much more exciting. We had Shingo Takagi beating Kota Ibushi, which is a big loss for Ibushi. He's kind of neck and neck right now. He's kind of neck and neck right now with J.Y. Okada and, unfortunately, Will Ospreay.
0: (laughs) Now, who was the guy for, I think last week we talked about him, there was a guy that you were really surprised that was doing so well.
1: Toro Yano, who is at six points. He's still at six points. He actually just lost to Haruki Goto really quickly. It was weird. I'm starting to think Haruki Goto might be injured. Huh. Because all of his matches have been really quick, but the Yano one was like 18 seconds.
0: That that sounds like a squash match more than, you know,
1: a tournament. Yeah. So it was weird, but we've definitely had some really good matches. Okada versus Jeff Cobb was fun, and it was nice to get a break from Okada using his new money clip submission finisher. I'm not a fan.
0: I, I remember you telling us about that a couple of weeks ago that he's trying out this. It's the submission one, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So it, it, it hasn't grown on you. You're
1: not a fan of it in, at all. I'm not a fan at all. I'm also not a fan of Zach Sabre Jr. and Kenta not doing too hot in the G1 this year.
0: Maybe, you know, the, um, the guy that did really well at first and then now is kind of plateauing. Maybe it's going to be the opposite. Maybe there's going to be some guys that didn't do great at first. And then as it starts reaching the, the climax, they're going to start catching up. They're going to start building that momentum to really build up for the finale.
1: Maybe. I'm still curious to see who we're going to get for the finals. I feel like Evil's still going to edge out and make finals this year. Mm -hmm. But I see Jay White still winning the whole thing. Really? I think regardless, Bullet Club's getting that trophy this year.
0: (laughs) No matter matter how things shake down, Bullet Club is, is the winner.
1: Absolutely. And then they also announced officially that they'll be doing the world tag league in november and early december but it's going to be a joint tour and they're also going to do the best of the super juniors since that got canceled due to covid right but i'm interested to see what kind of lineup they'll have for both of them due to probably still some travel restrictions due to covid
0: so my, as I told you before, my brother lives in Japan. And so my wife and I have been planning to visit him for a while. So he's keeping us up to date with like the the rules and regulation of what's going on. And apparently the new head of Japan, I forget what it's prime minister, I think, is apparently very pro opening back up. And they have opened it back up for people to come back to Japan. So I think like if you have a work visa in Japan or if you live in Japan, you can now finally come back instead of being, you know, uh, excommunicado from uh, Japan. So I think that they should theoretically be getting a lot of their guys back.
1: So that also means that at some point in the near future, we're going to finally get Kenny Omega coming back to DDT. Oh, that's a good point. That would be wild. Yes. There was also a little bit of big New Japan news from the backstage side of things. The president of New Japan of America, Harold Mage, has left. And so now we'll be getting a new person in his step. And that may be a good sign for potentially getting a good working relationship going between New Japan and All Elite Wrestling.
0: Really? Who do you think is going to step up to it? Like, are there any rumors or are there any speculation that you have?
1: Um, I'm not sure who's going to step up to that position, but I am hoping that it'll lead to some kind of relationship with them
0: because jericho was in new japan for a little while right
1: who was jericho jericho was in new japan for a little bit but then after aew started he just had the one match right uh wrestle kingdom this year against tanahashi he did bring out the aew world championship though for it
0: huh so if they are able to build a good working relationship between new japan and aew do you think that's going to be the push to really get AEW up to the top?
1: Um, I think it's mutually beneficial. It'll really help AEW, but I think it'll also really help New Japan in terms of breaking into the American market because right now as far as the u.s audience it's just like the hardcore fans right and i think working with AEW and getting their guys on dynamite and vice versa will do a lot of good for both promotion yeah if it it does happen that's gonna like basically kill ring of honor
0: yeah because basically what it could do is that if AEW has access to that stable now you get all this influx of new fresh talent to a lot of american eyes then also you know, on the opposite side in Japan, you get a lot of these AEW guys who are a lot of indie guys. I don't know if Eddie Kingston has ever been in New Japan or wrestle Japan. That would be wild to see him over there. You know, a lot of those guys.
1: It would. I would love to see like the Lucha Bros showing up in New Japan. And honestly, even seeing like Kenny come back.
0: Now, that's a very intriguing prospect.
1: I want to see some Japanese members of the Dark Order.
0: That would be dope. I would be all about that. But then yep. we'll
1: shift things over to the NXT takeover side of things. Would, all around, it was a pretty solid card. I, I, for me, I
0: think the matches were really solid across the board. Again, I like NXT. I, I might like NXT more than I like Raw and
1: SmackDown. Oh, 100%. There's no question about that. Raw hmm. and SmackDown's not very good.
0: Like, SmackDown's definitely third place. And, like, they're... Like, I love Asuka and I love Drew. So they get a lot... <laughs> (laughs) A lot of leeway from you on that. But NXT has such amazing talent. So it's hard to disappoint with that. But I know what made me very excited is when I saw Ember Moon coming back. Also uh, uh, Tony Storm as well. But Ember Moon is the one that made me the most excited because I love Ember Moon.
1: I'm excited to see her back. I'm not going to lie. Tony Storm doesn't really do much for me. She was really cool on the UK indies back in the day before NXT UK was a thing. But then she was in literally every indie winning their women's championship. But every match felt the same. Like That's... She's by no means a bad wrestler. She is absolutely fantastic. One of the best in the world. But there's just something missing for me to like connect with in her matches is it charisma like is that is that what's missing it's definitely not charisma i think it's more character she mm-hmm. kind of falls into like almost Finn balor territory where yes they're a great wrestler but that's their character is that they're a really good wrestler and they're mm-hmm. either mean or nice
0: right that's a good point that's yeah i i don't know
1: But a triple threat with them will be Ember Moon versus Tony Storm versus Io Shirai could be the craziest thing ever.
0: I am really excited. I mean, again, I love Ember Moon. Also, a nice little tidbit just to remind people, we just interviewed Miranda Gordy, who was partially trained by Ember Moon over in Texas. So that's fun. So another reason to like Ember Moon.
1: Absolutely. And a reason to go back and listen to our Miranda Gordy episode.
0: Which is great. It's such a good episode.
1: It is. Listen to both parts. I'm more partial to part two, but... (laughs) (laughs) but uh,
0: I'm, I'm very excited because Ember Moon was, is such a great wrestler. Io Shirai is wonderful. Like I, can only begin to imagine some of the spots that they're going to do. Like, I think it's going to oh, yeah. be just all out the whole time.
1: And we also got Isaiah Swerve Scott, unfortunately not getting the Cruiserweight Championship from Santos Escobar. I have mixed feelings about that. The match was fantastic and had a lot of really good false finishes. Mm-hmm. And on one hand, I want Swerve to win all the belt. <laughs> but on the other hand, I want Santos Escobar to hold that belt for a very long time. <laughs>
0: I am still sad that he, he's no longer a Lucha. Like, I wish he still wore his Lucha mask.
1: Yeah, but he can't. He lost it fair and square in a <laughs> nonsense six-man cage match. <laughs> That's fair. That's a valid point. If and then, he had climbed faster than L.A. Park, then it would have been a different story.
0: <laughs> and then Velveteen Dream was uh, back as well.
1: Yeah, so Kushida had a really big win. He broke a pedophile's arm. <laughs> all we'll say about that match <laughs> now
0: do you think it's do you think it's a for real break or do you think it it's a it's a work no uh, so they're just building the feud with them
1: yeah also got- very, so unfortunately i really wanted johnny gargana to win the north american championship from damian priest i don't like him
0: oh you've just you're officially you know anti- oh yeah
1: damian I'm, priest. <laughs> he's just there's nothing interesting about him really his entrance his entrance is cool but there's a lot of there's a lot of people with cooler entrances like Karrion Cross. yeah
0: which I I am curious if they're ever going to shorten down Karrion's intro because I mean, it's a good like four when he minutes. goes on
1: the main roster they will you think so yeah but then main event wise though it was fantastic Kyle O'Reilly didn't get the belt but he looked amazing and Adam Cole didn't murder him
0: <laughs> so i'm very intrigued with this because i feel like they're they're definitely pivoting the undisputed era that they are about to have two good guys two bad guys and i'm curious how that's going to affect the entirety of the undisputed era
1: um it's just going to mean we're going to have two strong single stars and then red dragon has nothing to stop them from dominating the tag division for the rest of their tenure <laughs> Because that's what they do. I'm, I'm very excited about that. Min, If they stay a tag team and hit the main roster, minimum four-time tag team champs. Minimum.
0: It'll be good. Like, we need more tag in the main roster right now.
1: We really do. They honestly should just... I think calling Undisputed Era up is the right move. It'll leave a hole in NXT, but that just leaves room for other guys to step up.
0: The only thing that concerns me, and I think we've talked about this before, is that the look of the main roster is so different than the look of NXT. Like I feel like they would be, you know, normal people in a land of giants.
1: Uh they would but I'm more than confident in Adam Cole to wiggle his way up to main eventing WrestleMania.
0: Basically kind of being the new Shawn
1: Michaels? Yes. Like Adam Cole's good. He's, He's made. Roderick Strong is the only one I think that'll have iffy main roster run potential because by all accounts, he should do great. Put him on a separate brand from the rest Give him the top title, give him a long heel run. Schoolyard bully Roderick Strong is the best for Roderick Strong.
0: <laughs> now, do you think that they're going to reinstitute um their and dexter Loomis's feud whenever Dexter comes back?
1: Uh Dexter Loomis just came back. Oh, I how did I miss that? Because you didn't watch last week's episode. That might have been it. Shame on me. Shame on you. <laughs> Well, that's it. So are they, are they starting it back up? I got to catch up. No, I think he's feuding with uh, Cameron Grimes. So I guess they're <laughs> just using him as rocket fuel. For Cameron? Yeah. Since he's gone straight to the moon. <laughs> you know, I was, I didn't like
0: Cameron Grimes, but you, you've turned me
1: on to him. Like I am. Cameron Grimes is like one of the best parts of NXT. <laughs> <laughs> At first he
0: annoyed me, but then like now, like I love him. I love, I love that it's Grime Time. (laughs) It's Grime
1: Time, baby. (laughs) And what other news do we have? Uh, over on the local side of things, Action Wrestling and TWE had their doubleheader show. I guess boiling it straight down, Nolan Edwards is your 2020 Future Showcase winner. Incredible showing from this kid.
0: Yeah, I was really blown away. I know, I know you knew some of these guys, but some of these guys were, were still kind of obscure for you. But I was blown away by oh, every was single too. match. Oh,
1: Every single one of them was great. Like the least impressive person was still pretty impressive in Ben Buchanan, who I know you missed his match.
0: Yeah, because I came in late. Like- He's a
1: big dude. I was mostly just disappointed because they billed him as the man of a thousand lariats, which A, made me think he must not be that good. <laughs> but mostly more so, I was like, bet we're going to see some probably some really cool stiff lariat. He threw like two that is that is a bit shy of a thousand. Like there is a bunch of points when like I would think for a split second like oh he's about to hit one and then he just like shoulder blocks somebody.
0: Maybe maybe that's a lariat where he's from.
1: Maybe. <laughs> But that match was pretty good. Adam Priest pinning Aaron Wade, so all is right in the universe. Everything is correct.
0: Yeah, because Aaron Wade, I think this last week, I think he poisoned my wife's food. To be honest, he may have because my wife, my wife ended up feeling sick about halfway through and had to leave. So he was looking kind of shady in the concession stand, like he was weirdly inside the concession stand, like making food when we were ordering.
1: I don't know if you can get yeah, but that. he would only I would only see him in there when no one else was.
0: Yeah. So, if anyone else got sick at TWE, um, we are in negotiations with a class action lawyer to kind of get compensation for you. J.G. Wentworth, I believe is the guy's name.
1: The people versus Aaron Wade is real, and it is happening.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I heard he's going to be represented by Norman Smiley, which figures.
1: what else would you expect
0: but no uh, the future showcase was really really solid i i really liked pretty much every match that i saw uh i think
1: mac successfully defending that action championship against bailey which was
0: that was a really good match
1: that was a really good match ac mac looked fantastic
0: yes he ac mac this is the third or fourth time that we've seen him i i like the guy this is i, I think like them. the fifth
1: time i've seen him wrestle
0: It is. I want more of him. I want more AC Mac.
1: Oh, absolutely. I'm very much looking forward to seeing him show out in Indianapolis this weekend.
0: Oh, that's going to be good. I really hope that The Collective is a good opportunity for a lot of these guys to get more attention.
1: Oh, 100%. Like, I guarantee you... O'Shea Edwards is going to be getting a lot of phone calls after this weekend. Oh, I hope Because so. now he's so the Calvin Tankman match at For the Culture has been shaken around a lot. Because initially it was Will Hobbs, then he had to drop out for some reason. So they got this dude, John Davis. Now John Davis just had to drop out because his knees hurt. So they got O'Shea to face.
0: And O'Shea looked strong at the Future Showcase and at the TWE show.
1: He did. He managed to get a good match out of Logan Creed. I was shook. <laughs> Which, Logan Creed, I did not realize how big that dude was. That dude tall. I think they billed him as 6'10". I could see it. Because he stepped over the top rope. Yeah. Which is insane. I just couldn't get over his cat eyes. (laughs) (laughs) He reminded me of, like, it's like he was in
0: Kiss, and he forgot to put the white makeup on first.
1: Kind of, yeah. (laughs) So... That alone is why O'Shea swamped him and beat him. But <laughs> O'Shea during the second show, though, challenging Brett Ison for the TWE championship, that was that such a good match.
0: That was. I was I was really, really... Honestly, I was kind of caught off guard. I didn't, I didn't know what they were going to do with O'Shea during that And it's also really neat that apparently O'Shea and Brett have a good bit of history together. And so it was like two baby
1: faces going for the belt. It was really good. Like, definitely the best match I've seen from both of them. Yeah. No, it was real solid. Um, We also had Captain
0: no Cell during uh, the TWE show.
1: Oh, Mr. Jokey? Yeah. So before I dump all over this man, I will give you credit, Joe the moves you do look crisp you've got a great look like you're in great shape your entrance gear i'm not the biggest fan of it definitely looks like a knockoff edge jacket (laughs) but whatever you do you but oh my goodness like i don't know if he just thought he was above this crowd or what but especially during the second show when he was wrestling bailey blake he (laughs) refused to sell anything that bailey <laughs> threw at him like there was a there's a point where bailey was hitting him with all these shots and he was like getting knocked down in the corner and he literally just like sits down and then just a blank face just sits there and just eats them.
0: i i don't know what the dude's deal was i don't know i don't know if he was tired i don't know if he was if he was cranky if it was like past his his bedtime or something uh you know he was tired because it was a long day I'm not sure what the deal was. And I don't, I don't feel like he was no selling that bad at the first
1: show. No. So the first show, his triple threat match granted, i will also say he was the least impressive man in his match so i wasn't paying nearly as close attention to him as i was the other dudes but he was getting some good spots and and he, he seemed to be selling for the most part maybe everyone else's pizzazz was just distracting but oh <laughs> that second show match against bailey blake was uh like the match itself was good i just kept thinking wow this dude does not want to sell any kind of offense for bailey
0: no which is because bailey is so great like i think bailey is the guy that's grown on me the most at twe
1: oh absolutely he's very very quickly become one of my favorites at twe but overall really good show closing note number one contender for the twe tag team championships are jake murphy and lutha x excited to see blake and Dilbeck. <laughs> Lose. Oh, also,
0: we should mention real quick what we predicted did happen. Another wrestler, actually Joe Keys, got rough with Kim and she hit him in the and face.
1: Done her on him.
0: <laughs> so I, I'm very excited. I want Kim to to fight back more often. I want her to just like rip her referee shirt off and have ring gear on underneath it and just take the win from someone. I would love that. <laughs> so, but yeah, so that's everything. So we'll go ahead. We'll take a quick little break then Andrea and I are going to jump into the discussion for Amelie and the City of Lost Children. Stay tuned. Hey there, everyone. Thank you so much for sticking with us. Now it's time for the movie discussion. So we have our guest, Andrea. Andrea, it is a pleasure to have you today.
2: Hi, thank you. I'm excited to talk about my favorite movie.
0: <laughs> Me too. So, I mean, it's... It's weird. You know, Will and I have covered bad movies. We've covered good movies. We've covered so bad it's good movies. But we've never covered art house until today. Weirdly, so I think this is gonna be really fun to kind of dive into an art house film, "City of Lost Children," and what I think is one of the greatest foreign films of all time, "Amelie." So it'll be a different perspective for once. I think. Uh, thank you for that.
2: You're welcome. Uh, they're both great films. Um, huge fan of both uh, for many different reasons. Uh, but um, hopefully we can uh, touch on all the good things and there will be no bad.
0: Yes. <laughs> I think this is one that will be pretty pretty glowing across the board. So we'll start with City of Lost Children. I know that's the one that, this was the first time that I had seen it. I've owned it for years. I owned the DVD for years, never got around to watching it. I sold it a while back, bought the Blu-ray I've had it for a while, sold it, and then I rebought it because we talked about doing this one this week. Uh, since Will is heading up to the collective and preparing, um, and I can't believe it took me this long to watch it.
2: I can't either, honestly. I'm surprised that you owned it and hadn't seen it. But <laughs> I've seen your collection of movies, and I can now. I believe it. <laughs> <It's the laughs> <my> list here. <laughs> so,
0: yeah, there, um, there's so many movies that we own that we haven't seen. We we blind buy a lot of movies. <laughs> understandable
2: understandable i too have this issue um and especially with vhs tapes
0: <laughs> i forgot <laughs> about your collection i forgot about your collection of vhs films <laughs>
2: it, it, it's a beautiful um but yeah you owning it for that long and then selling it and then reobtaining it <laughs> i'm i'm happy i'm happy that you got to watch it
0: yeah there, there's a couple of movies that i've done that now that's one of the great things about the podcast is that it gives us a reason to watch movies that i've owned for a while <laughs> I, yeah, I finally get around to doing it. So um, now you said that City of Lost Children is one of your favorites. Tell people about City of Lost Children and let's talk about why you like it so much and, and what I thought of it as well.
2: So the City of Lost Children is about an evil scientist named Crank. And he is harvesting the dreams of small children. And um, a boy is kidnapped who happens to be the adopted son of who is in the film, Ron Perlman, uh, Mr. One, um, he's trying to get his son back. Um, so the film is about him and uh, Miette, uh, he needs Miette, and uh, the gang of... Um, oh,
0: the children. The, of,
2: they're, they're, of, yeah, they're a gang of small children, (laughs) who are just thugs, essentially, (laughs) Um, they're they're trying to get his son back, Um, and in in the midst of that, you've got evil scientist Crank, with his clone brothers running around, trying to to obtain the dreams from the small children, uh, so that Crank can de-age, slash live forever, Um, so it's very science fiction, Um, it's very eerie, just in a general context, dream stealing, uh, scares me. I don't know why.
0: (laughs) Uh, Wait till you find out about Nightmare on Elm Street.
2: Oh, uh, well, actually, (laughs) remember a children's movie that came out in the nineties, A Dinosaur Story. (laughs) This is oddly familiar with that. (laughs) Not an evil scientist, but an evil ringleader. He's harvesting <laughs> the, the wishes, but he's harvesting the nightmares of small children to fuel his nightmare circus. It's similar. Like we can con- maybe in the future, we can <laughs> compare and contrast the City of Lost Children and a dinosaur story.: <laughs>
0: Yeah. We'll put it down on the list.: <laughs> You know, this was the first time that I saw it. Now my initial appeal, the initial appeal to this movie for me was that I love the directing team. Um Jean-Pierre and uh, Caro Caro I'm not French I can't say it. Um but I I love Amelie. Amelie is one of my favorite movies and I actually, you know, I bought this because of them. I also have Delicatessen which I still haven't watched and I have Micmax which I have seen. The <laughs> way so, you
2: haven't seen Delicatessen?
0: No, I I've owned it for a long time. <laughs>
2: Lord, <laughs> get it on it. Testing, it. like that. that itself needs a whole different episode. Just by itself, isolated. There's <laughs> nothing you can compare it to. There's nothing that you can contrast it to. It itself is his own entity.
0: <laughs> I mean, when <laughs> I heard when I heard a man falls in love with the uh, butcher shop owner, uh, falls in love with his daughter, mm-hmm. and that the butcher is possibly using humans.
2: Uh, he's not possibly, he is. Oh, it
0: is. Okay, I was like, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued in this. Uh, by this. It's but set in
2: a post-apocalyptic time set, but he's he's feeding his tenant yeah. of the apartment with people.
0: Yeah, that's that's brutal. I like it.
2: It is, but it's supposed to be a comedy.
0: <laughs> so I'm assuming it's it's a a light farce, not a dark comedy, right?
2: <laughs> no, I would say dark comedy through and
0: through. Yeah, but no, I I. I love Amelie so much that it made me want to buy City of Lost Children. This is the first time I've seen it. And my wife and I, we watched it last night. And you talked about the the style for it. The way that we described it was that it was like cyberpunk if it was made during Victorian time. Steampunk. So so it's like, it's this like steampunk, cyberpunk mixture. Like it's, it's kind of all over the place because there is like a lot of gears and mechanisms. But there's also like technology, like TV screens and night vision and, you know, auditory enhancement devices there's a lot of just wackiness uh in it and i liked it and once again they killed it on style like it was so beautiful
2: it's beautiful it's dirty yeah. ugly, and, and it's so hard to to really put that like vis like to to see it on screen like something so ugly but beautiful it, it's 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 crazy and i think a lot of that has to do with Uh, The color palette. Yes. Uh, He's always, Jean-Pierre, in a lot, almost all of us, and I would say maybe delicatessen not so much, but definitely Amelie really likes Christmas colors.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he uses a lot of primary colors to give it that kind of heightened reality. Because yes. I know that's one of the things that I remember about Amelie the first time I saw it was how vibrant the colors are. There's a lot of greens and blues and reds and yellows. And I was actually kind of surprised that that was in City Lost Children as well. Yeah, uh,
2: yeah. I, I think that, I, I think he uses that. Uh, it, it's, I guess it's his distinguished style. Like I think yeah. all tend to follow a suit so that their films are recognizable. This is definitely something that's recognizable. Oh yeah. I could probably, I guess, you're probably not know who wrote it if i've never heard of it or never you know never didn't know any background information and watch it and i could be like that's john yeah. <laughs> yeah oh yeah i think that's what happened with alien actually like i could tell like there was something familiar about alien 4 i was like what is going on here <laughs> why does this look so familiar to me the style the the the, the color palette i was like everything about this is familiar and then you know dove into the the wormhole and i was like ah which honestly they you
0: know i know this would be a little bit of a side tangent but the alien franchise the first four movies because all the ones after that have all been uh ridley scott but they have one of the most incredible pedigrees in film. Yeah. You got Ridley Scott, directing the first one, James Cameron doing Aliens, David Fincher doing three, and then Jean-Pierre doing four. Like, right. those are four, like, amazing directors. Like, some of the best directors in the game, I think. And they've directed Alien movies. Right?
2: I, I, th- I think at this point, it's like an yeah. They're like, hey, we need, you know, if they if they went up to, like, uh, you know, a, a newer director now, like, Ari Aster or something, was like, hey, we need you to direct him. Yeah. Like, it would be an honor. <laughs> yeah. Like, you'd be a full not to accept- it
0: yeah like i think at this point like you would have to be if they did it not like alien versus predator because that's a whole different thing but if they did another straightforward alien movie like another part of the, of the franchise i think that they should lean back into that pedigree they have, yeah. and it's basically like you are legit you are a legit director we respect you you're great do it
2: do something with yeah
0: because <laughs> like i know like we have the craw the crowd trilogy which i know like david fincher's uh cut of it is much better than the one that the was released i believe there's one for resurrection as well which i haven't seen but i have heard it also improves it you know and it's amazing that when you have these directors that even when they're playing sandbox how great they can be and especially with jean pierre and uh, caro like their style is so unique and their stories are so unique like i think that
2: comes from a lot of their background. like they were both uh started out as mainers. like <laughs> And I think they like take what they, what, what in reality you could not manifest unless you drew it. They, they take it and they make it reality, like what you would see. You know what I mean? Like you have so much more freedom with animation. You know, that
0: makes yeah, that makes a lot of, cause Tim Burton also started out as an animator. He worked at Disney.
2: Exactly. And, and he does the same thing. He,
0: yeah. He, he's he's did, got that, yeah, he's got that unique dark aesthetic that you see a Tim Burton movie, like, oh, that's Tim Burton. Like, boom, I, I recognize that. Yeah. That's interesting. That's, we need more animators directing
2: yeah, we do we do <laughs> but the good ones we, we've seen like beautiful work from them like you said tim burton and obviously jean-pierre i haven't actually seen any of their animated work i know it's out there yeah uh, i would like to dive to that I, to do that from time to time be yeah. like, let me go back to 1987 and see what five minute short film they wrote and youtube has it and it exists you know fingers
0: crossed say, i mean it's and city of lost children is such a unique story like i know like what, what's the saying that like every every story every film is just a variation of a shakespeare play like i get that like there's he, he basically covered every single trope and staples of a genre i get that but it's still so amazingly unique like when we were watching it i don't know if i just got older but like we watched it originally in french with subtitles and it was getting away from because I was so distracted by the visuals that I'm like, oh, this is beautiful set design. I love, you know, the, the techniques that they used here, like the multiplying the clones, you know, like that's that's real seamless almost in every single shot, which is impressive for a movie that's 25 years old now. You know, there's movies nowadays that can't do a clone scene this well. And I was like, I, I have to st- I can't keep up with the, <laughs> with the uh, words. So I had to dub it. So I could actually appreciate all the beauty in the movie.
2: It, it, it's it's hard to keep up, and uh, it, it, it like you uh, you mentioned, it is heavy in dial mm. uh, heavy dial. It, it has a lot of. But yeah. I mean, dubbing it is fine. I, I've never watched it dubbed. Um, I like to struggle. <laughs> Well, see, but that also gives me a reason to watch it more than once.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like I I will probably I will probably watch it again dubbed, and then from that point on I'll watch it subtitled. Yeah, like Amelie, I've never watched subtitled. I've watched it. I I've watched Amelie so much that there was a point where I was turning off the subtitles and seeing if I could understand what was still being said. Like if I could remember the dialogue and the rhythm that well. That was the point that I've watched it. So maybe City Lost Children* will be that for me because I feel like I have to dive into it again.
2: I, I, that's also why you do watch, um, because at first it's like it's like seeing it's like seeing a piece of art. Like at first you're just so struck with the beauty of it. Like it is hard to focus on on the actual you know, well, plot line. Like you're looking at the, this this every every scene is beautiful. You're just so engorged. It's just beautiful. So you have to go back and then be like, all right, I've seen. I've seen that. Now let me understand what is going on down here at the bottom of the screen where all these words are. <laughs> like,
0: yeah. yeah, no, I it was so amazingly beautiful. The set design, costume design, the special effects were all so good that like I I was so distracted with just the amazing beauty of it. And it's one of those things where, like, almost every single scene has something new that you've never seen. Like, the Cyclopses are an entity and a being that I've never seen in any film whatsoever. Like, there's clearly a whole mythos and lore and origin story for them that we don't get. We just, we come in, like, they're a thing. Here they are. They live in a boat, and they kidnap children. And I'm like, okay, like, what's their deal? (laughs) Yeah, and then you have Crank up in his, uh, you know, derelict, you know, rig, and I'm like, okay, what's? Why is there a brain in a jar? Why is there an old man? Why are the clones <laughs> with of the, the same little guy?
2: person? Yeah, <laughs> Martha. I think her name's Martha.
0: I think so. Yeah. Martha.
2: Yeah. What's she doing?
0: <laughs> <laughs> what's going on with this? Like everything. Like why is why is Ron Perlman a strong man that has that lives with a carny and has apparently adopted his little brother that is an orphan? That you know, why is there roving street gangs of orphans? Like. Everything is so new and so unique that the first time you feel unique, and I know this is going to be a weird comparison, but I know I think you'll get it. There's a store called Unclaimed Baggage down in Scottsboro, Alabama. And the first time I went, because there's so much stuff there, and there's no real rhyme or reason, like you have, you have the other departments, but there's so much, and it's so wild and so varied that it's overwhelming. You know, it's almost a you can't see the forest for the trees kind of situation, and that's kind of how I felt watching see Less Children*. Was that there's so much amazing stuff around that the first time I watch it, I'm I'm dizzy, I'm discombobulated, I don't really have a firm grasp of what's going on. But then the more you go to it, you're like, okay, like I'm I'm in the rhythm. Like, oh, I know that this is where they're going to hide that the really cool, you know, foreign T-shirts, and I know if you look over here, you can find a couple of Blu-rays hidden on this back shelf, and if you go to this other building Building, there's this stuff like I feel like that's gonna be it for say less children it's like mm, I know the Cyclops it says, oh that imagery is interesting I believe it means this thing like you can finally get into the rhythm of it,
2: it it's definitely a, a, a more difficult film to digest um yeah. it, it was the first time I saw it was in college a while back uh, <laughs> so I was a freshman in college living two roommates we we had nightly rich. we would pull the mattresses out in the living room and we just camped and we would find the weirdest most obs- obscure anything that we could watch I mean we we went through I think um our first roundabout was the Buffy the vampires uh and then we uh slowly started to find like these just strange films so the city of lost Children was one of them. <laughs> And I I, I won't go into detail, but I mean, the state of mind that we were in while we, I mean, we were just in, we were just struck, literally could not process what we had. And it it almost like, I don't want to say scarred me, but it definitely (laughs) burned my brain enough to where I was like, I've got to find that again. And I got to, I got to really pay attention next time and and, and not be, it not be like 12 o'clock at night. You know when I got to be up at eight AM for class.
0: <laughs> well, I think I think you hit the note. Like again, and it's probably why Amelie is so appealing to me, and the same reason to see a lot of Children on Mick Max as well, I've only seen Micmacs once, but i I still remember fairly vividly scenes from it, and I know delicatessen is gonna have scenes that are gonna be very vivid to me as well, but it's so unique like it's it's so unlike anything you've ever seen that it's it's like the first time you hear jazz, it's the first time that you see the ocean you know it's it's so unique and awe inspiring that you have that memory burned, no matter what like I can still fairly vividly remember. I know, granted, I watched it last night, but I still very vividly remember so many of the set pieces, so many of the angles, so much of it. And it's weird that I, I remember so much of it, yet I understand so little. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I,
2: I think we relate more to, the, more to it visually because there is that. Language.
0: Yeah. Well, also, you know, I and I have no shame in admitting this. I tend to very largely be style over substance. Yeah. You know, like uh, Nicholas Winding Reffen, the guy that did Drive and Only God Forgives, Bronson and Valhalla Rising, Neon Demon. I love his stuff. And I know a lot of people hate it. Like people hate it Only God Forgives. Like it's slow and it's plodding and nothing really happens. And I watch, I'm like, ah, I love this. <laughs> 45 minutes before anything happens in the movie, but it looks so cool.
2: And these are probably coming from the same people that were like, I love great
0: cats. Yeah, probably. Uh,
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> we we'll talk about a slow start. Let's get into that. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's one of those things. And when I was watching it, because I knew that we were going to talk about it uh, today. As I'm watching it, I'm thinking about you. I'm thinking about like, what is it that you see in it? Because I know this is one of your favorites. And I always try to do that. If I watch something that someone else's favorite, I think about that person. I think about like our relationship. And I think about like, what is it? that appeals to them and i don't know if you've made this connection but this is my belief it's very uh david lynch yes (laughs) it's very and you i know you adore uh david lynch yes and like is a is a is
2: is is an underwhelming word but yes
0: (laughs) (laughs) and as i'm watching it we're going through it i'm like this is this is very david lynch like i
2: i I can't like it has similar characteristics the the thing that I think stands out for, is like you you touched base on I felt mm-hmm. you felt you it, it it literally provoked a physical f- feeling to yeah. make me feel almost uncomfortable yeah and you're like why do i feel like that why is this happening what is going on what can what can i do about that there's nothing and i i think that i think that that's what why i do love videos because it does do that for me like david they, when i watch anything done by it provokes a physical f- that i would have not gotten otherwise. so i i, I just i you know it, it's it's so i can't i can't even put a th- i can't even put a th- tack on it like it, it, it's so different well
0: it's like the only way that I because I like City Less Children and we've talked about this before um the David Lynch movies that I've watched like I had the criterion for Eraserhead I had it for years and I swear I've watched it like five or six times and I can't tell you anything about it <laughs> like it feels like a dream every time i've watched it and i it almost feels like i didn't i'm like no that that's no i didn't watch that movie that's that's i'm just i'm misremembering things and i, I remember I actually gave you uh the criterion for it because yes. i was like i'm never gonna get it like i just i don't have that capacity but watching city lost children like i get it like i'm like okay i'm i'm a, Intrigued. This is appealing to me. To me, it's almost like it's accessible. David Lynch.
2: Yes, it, it, it's a David Lynch for five years. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I'm, kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, we, I would not put Jean Pierre on that scale. Like that, that, that was that was rude of me. I apologize, uh, Jean Pierre. Um,
0: <laughs> we know, Jean Pierre, you're listening. We're so sorry about Andrea's uh, hurtful remark.
2: No, I'm sorry. We'll send uh, a there, gift
0: basket to you. <laughs>
2: No. Um, another thing that I think is important for like the city of lost children is in science fiction. I could not think of a better example of what science. I think that, like for me, is the stand.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I believe I don't know if we were recording when I said it or not, but it's it's steampunk and cyberpunk and like Victorian style. It's it's a combination of a lot of sci-fi techniques merged beautifully together. I mean, there's always, there's a very dystopian feel throughout yeah. it as well, and you know the the cyclopses have all these gears and doodads on their faces. But they also have this, you know, advanced scientific stuff with, like, the screens and capturing dreams. But there's also, like, old-timey diving suits and there's cars. Like, it's all over the place, yet they did such a great job of mixing all of them together that, like, not at any point did I go, that's out of place. I almost said, I didn't say that's weird, but I said that a lot. So.
2: So, uh, my, my boyfriend actually, uh, was like popping out, uh, while I watched. um, <laughs> he was, he, he was popping in and out and he was like, when, when was film made? And I was like, 1995. And what? I was like, yeah, 1995. He was like, you, if you would not have told me that I would have thought it, yeah. that, that I think is important too. The the, 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 special effects, the, 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 the costumes, everything, like you said, everything's so all over the place. You cannot actually pinpoint when this has happened. And right. I think that's great. That makes it timeless which is a great word for film
0: yeah because uh will and i discussed it follows uh, pretty early on while doing this series and that's one of the things that we talked about with it is that it adds to the unease and uncomfortableness the that there's not a a hard time frame for it follows you have yeah. older cars and you have like shell phones and then you have like you know CRT TVs but then you have like people dressed and acting like it's modern day like it's all over the place and I think that adds to the uneasiness like every time you think you've got your footing like oh I know where I am and like nope you don't they just tip you over the other way yeah and I think that adds to the mystique and there's also a lot of like really trippy camera angles
2: I that is one of my favorite things about Jean-Pierre Jeunet is that that infamous zoom in on the face from underneath, yeah. and you've always got this real dramatic expression, and usually it's horrifying, like yeah. whatever. Even if it's laughter, it's so it's it, it's very dramatic and 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 it's extra, and in that angle just adds to that uneasiness because you would not look at somebody like that in any yeah. in other way. Like I don't walk up to you from underneath your beard and just like you know
0: like. While you're you know, like laughing it. manic- It's a wonderful beard.
2: <laughs> you know, laughing manically at me. Like, I don't, like, you don't do that. So it, <laughs> that, it, it makes you feel things. You're like, I am uncomfortable.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. And one of the really cool things that I love, and we'll talk about this, I know a lot more in Amelie, is that they take small spaces and make them feel bigger mm-hmm. a lot. And they also make big spaces feel even bigger. And so, like, the scene on the dock where, and again, this is another thing I want to talk about, is they love of rube goldberg like situations where one tiny thing causes this big giant chain reaction to yeah. help save the day or change things but there's a moment where uh, miette has a tear that gets flung to a spider web which causes a bird to fly away and then this whole big chain reaction ends up with all the power in the city turning off and a ship crashing into the dock that they're on yeah And when I was watching that scene, and again, I know it's 95. Yeah, there's some CGI stuff in the film, but I don't feel like it's the scene and the ship is so large and the set is so big that I was blown away at just the sheer scale of it even though it's not that big like you just it's the front of a ship and a dock but the way that they shot it the way that they angled everything makes it feel like this is the whole world yes and it's so wild to me and they do that so well throughout the movie and they, like, and I don't know but it, it it was a set, right? Like that was, it, the whole thing was a set.
2: I, I do believe so. I don't think that they actually had live.
0: Yeah. Like, I I don't think so either, which as I'm watching it was even more mind blowing. Right. You know, cause it feels so real. Like, and I probably, we probably should have looked it up before recording. <laughs> But I was genuinely blown away by just the aesthetic and the style of the city, all the things that they put together, the way that the city seemed to have a logical flow to it.
2: Yeah, a rhythm.
0: Yeah, like it was really, really wild. Like you understood the purpose of this of this town that it's probably a port town that the children are able to thrive because they go to the carny section and they pickpocket people and they're going to be tourists who got off the boats or sailors are just visiting. You know, there's the tattoo shops, which are I think they said there was like thirteen mm-hmm. <laughs> in the That's
2: place. Right. Yeah. We'll put- all them sailors getting all them
1: tattoos
0: yeah you know and it's it's all over the place and it's so fascinating the way that they just put it all together and i said it's one of those things that this tends to happen on the podcast when i watch the movie i have one opinion and then as i start discussing it i'm like oh oh you know what i like it more than i thought i did or you know it's not as bad as i thought i did And this one know, like the more good. i yeah the more i think about it, the more we talk about it, the more i like the movie i definitely have to watch i have to watch it again soon
2: yeah i would <laughs> it, it, well, it's still fresh. You won't have to like really re-piece a whole lot together. You'll be able yeah. to hyper-focus on the things that you want to pay. Yeah. Instead of just get like the, the bare basics down. Like, all right, what's going on here? What are they showing me? Why are they showing me? What does this mean? And now I'm in another scene. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah, no, I, I think it's great. And I think this is kind of a good moment to kind of switch over to Amelie. Because Amelie is so completely different. Oh, 100%. And I know you said Alien 4 was your introduction to them, right?
2: Yeah, but I didn't know it. I did not know it.
0: Yeah. So, and I think a
2: lot of people don't know that either. I think like I said, if they make it that far into the Alien you have to be a really dedicated fan. Yes.
0: <laughs> But Amelie was my introduction to them. That was the first movie that I ever saw by them. And I don't even remember how I came across it. I feel like it was probably like on the IFC channel one day or something. Or I saw some sort of clip on it or something. Because I'm, I'm a little bit older than you. So like YouTube really wasn't a thing for me to try and discover the movie or, or get familiar with a lot of these things. So I would have to stumble across them in, in kind of weird obtuse ways. Probably the DVD packaging also appealed to me because i love really intricate dvd packagings and the dvd was amazing the slip cover with her face and it folded out and had little booklets i loved it and i remember watching it i think we talked about this before like it is impossible to watch amelie and be in a bad mood
2: yeah it's it's so i can't even like the i i I don't know like it's so happy
0: (laughs) yeah like,
2: it's a happy movie. It, it, even when you think, like, you're supposed to be just a little sad, like, it's still, like, there's something uplifting about it.
0: Yeah, it's so optimistic. Like, my wife and I were talking about it. You know, with City Lost Children, it's filled with negative repercussions of their actions. Right. On the leak, there's no negative repercussions for any of her actions. No matter what she's doing, if she's being nosy, if she is tampering with a guy's apartment, if she is, you know, setting up elaborate, again, Rube Goldberg-like, Moments of coincidence, you know, yes. planning the stuff out. It all works out. It works out for her. It works out for everybody else. Like it's all good.
2: manifest us. She she wants it. She she needs it. Yeah. And like I said,
0: and it's watching it again. I was just filled with so much happiness because it's been a minute since I've seen it because the version that we have on Blu-ray is actually the European version. It's, it's mm-hmm. a, a of the Blu-ray which is region locked and our universal Blu-ray player uh, ended up dying. And so I've been trying to find one that is not a smart Blu-ray player. I just need a movie. I just need a universal Blu-ray player that will play movies. <laughs> I, I don't need Wi-Fi. I don't need anything else with it. Just play, play my friggin' movie, <laughs> please. <laughs> um, and then you told me it was on HBO max. I'm like, sweet. So yeah. I watched it. And again, I just, I smiled from ear to ear the whole time. I just, it was so uplifting. And the cinematography on it is, God, it's awe-inspiring. There's two shots in particular that always stay with me. It's just a variation of the same shot. It's when they are, at the very beginning, um, they're releasing the goldfish into the uh, stream. Yes. There's this beautiful shot that is this higher up like crane shot. It floats over this waterfall, goes over the bridge, over their umbrella, and then over to the water while it's raining so you have this bright vibrant greens and reds and blues and it's just such a beautiful shot and every single time it takes my breath away and then there's a variation of that shot later on where she's skipping stones at the same place yes and it does a virtual same tracking shot over the top of her but then it comes down and lowers to the water level and it shows her skipping the rock and again it is it takes my breath away and i don't I don't know how they do some of the shots. There's another shot when they're at the train station and it starts at the roof of the train station and it goes all the way down seamlessly to the ground level. I mean, I swear it's like 80 feet that the the camera moves.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I I I remember that scene. I, I remember thinking in that scene like like it makes you it makes you feel so I guess like dream like because you you wouldn't you would not ever be able to see these things you yes. would not like that in person and and you very rarely see him in film either and I yeah. guess that's what distinguishes part of his style is he has these maneuvers to to invoke a feeling like yeah to make I mean it made you feel like you were seeing something beautiful yeah and it was literally just I mean at one angle you wouldn't you may not have felt anything just like a straight on yeah. It hurt the stone, but the way they move the camera just by moving the freaking camera, like you were like, Whoa,
0: <laughs> beautiful!
2: <laughs> like you're like, What, how, how, yeah. and
0: that's and it's and maybe that's maybe that's the key to their success is that they manipulate the camera. And they manipulate the color palette to such a degree that when you're watching it, it doesn't feel real. Like it almost invokes those feelings of animation. Yes. Like you don't watch a, a Miyazaki film and go, "Oh, this is ground in reality." Like it is heightened. You know, with, with Spirited Away and How's Moving Castle. I remember they are two incredibly beautiful, awe-inspiring films, and they're animated. You know, which to me, it's it's. I found I feel weird being awe-inspired by animation. Like, oh, that's really good artwork. But like, I get all inspired by the locations, even though I'm like, this isn't real. Like, it's clearly all drawn. And Amelie almost has that same feeling. And I know like when they did the production for it, one of the things that they did was that every scene that's set on location, they clean all the trash away. There's no trash anywhere in the whole movie, except for whenever it, it needs to be there. Like someone's sweeping, you know, next to the photo booth or whatever. Yep, and for- part of that is to make it seem different. Like it's this fantasy world. Right. You know, so you have the camera moves, you have the color palettes. And then you have like a real world with unreal situations yeah. over and over again. And it's amazing. And they really lean into the ability of film. And I think that's maybe one of the things that kind of annoys me with a lot of movies is that a lot of movies try to be so grounded in reality and they're so dark and gritty. And I'm like, it's fine. There's some movies, like I love the Joker. You know, it's it's very grounded in reality, maybe. Um, and then a lot of like war movies and, and dramas nowadays are so grounded. Even like comedies are so grounded, but they're not using film to its full potential
2: no they're not creating they're just
0: repli exactly and i feel like jean pierre and caro they're genuinely creating something magical every single time
2: didn't didn't he come out uh jean pierre come out with uh I'm trying to think of the, it about a
0: little boy i think i know what you're talking about Yep, yeah, for some it's it's been on my radar but i haven't followed up on it i'm trying to for think some of, some reason.
2: I, I haven't i haven't watched it yet either i haven't found it. that's right i think it's i want to say oh yeah, yeah yeah 2013 that was um the young and prodigious sts Spivet.
0: <laughs> i think i think i remember that
2: i, I, I i've i remember like i remember seeing it or hearing about the in 2000 I was, um but <laughs> i never watched <laughs> i haven't gotten to watch it but he doesn't he doesn't he's not with mark Caro on that one mark Caro and jean pierre actually went separate ways i do believe after amelie yeah
0: because i know he did uh, a very long engagement right after amelie i think that was uh in, yeah, 2004 yeah argy tattoo uh tattoo yeah. uh is in it as well but i can't remember if caro was still involved with it at that point or not But yeah, it, it it definitely got kind of less tangled up together which is kind of sad
2: yeah I, I don't i don't think they were i think i want to say
0: yeah, I don't. I don't think that they were together on, on a very long engagement. Which also, I, I don't. I, I, I feel like I've seen it, but I also feel like I haven't seen it. You know, I have not watched. Them. Yeah, yeah. From what I remember, I, I don't think they're involved. So I think Amelie was the last one, which is weird. Like you would think that after doing Delicatessen and City of Lost Children, Alien Four, and Amelie, like at that point you've done four movies together, and they're becoming increasingly more successful, mm-hmm. you know, increasingly more well known. Like, why would you not stick together at that point? I, I mean, think- he's only done three movies since. And he did a very long engagement, um, Mick Max, and then, and then uh, the TS movie. Yeah,
2: he. I think Mark Caro actually went back to animation. If I'm not mistaken, that's wild. I See, back-
0: I think, I think you're. I want to start looking at some of their like animation stuff. Like, I'm very curious.
2: I am too. I've seen their reality work, and I'm like, <laughs> what can you come up with with crayons? <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting.
0: I like how we boil, boiled animation down to drawing with crayons.
2: <laughs> drawing with crayons. I mean, they use other things. I think nowadays, they, I mean, everything, you know, digitalized, but um, that's just easier transfer, I suppose. But also, fun fact, in a very long engagement, that Jodie Foster in that. Really? Oh, I
0: love Jodie Foster.
2: I do too, but I, 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 Jody Foster is in that. Um, I would much like to see. Is that French? Like, is it, I mean, is a very long engagement French or was it an American movie? Because I mean, it's still, he's still got some of his like iconic, like, taught, like his, his hang in there there. actors. Yeah. His staple actors.
0: I feel like it was English. I don't feel like it was in French. I feel like it was you know, a, a Hollywood producer. I think Miramax did it most likely. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it was, I think it was American. I think it was a, a US release, but they used a lot of the same people.
2: They did, uh, you know, Audrey Tattoo's in it. And then also his his infamous, uh, was it Dominique, uh, what's his last name? Oh, I
0: don't have me pronounce French, French words.
2: <laughs> we'll Americanize it. Dominique Pinion. Uh <laughs> Oh,
0: um, Virginia coming out.
2: West Virginia, there. Dominique Pinion on that Jean-Pierre's. You film. them. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and he. You know, speaking of him, can I just say he creeps me out physically. Like. <laughs> just just his his you know and i i don't know if that's like a if that's what is so appealing also about him like i don't find him attractive don't get like i'm not saying that whatsoever but like as far as like his his
0: his his, compelling
2: it does and it enhances the scenes that he's in like when you see his face like you're just like you're really like this was creepy before and now you're standing there smiling (laughs) now i'm even more creeped out (laughs) also uncomfortable but yeah no
0: it's he he has a very cartoonish face that's it he reminds me kind of of like robin williams and jim carrey with like with like a french one where but like the their abilities with their face like he's able to convey and distort it in such wild ways and last night i haven't seen city lost children like i'm used to him in amelie where he's this brooding angry ex and then seeing him in uh Sea Last Children where he is more naive and childlike. Yeah. Pretty much across the board. And then there's the original that shows up, which is again pretty aloof.
2: Yeah, he but well, he has memory wipes, so yeah. he has no idea what's going on. Yeah. He's harvesting treasure from underneath the, <laughs> the massive port city. And it's usually, essentially garbage, but you know, yeah. he does come across a couple good
0: things. Yeah. But it's it's one of those things where like it's it's wild. And I'm, I think I want to see more of him and just see how versatile he is.
2: Watch I, 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 he has a more, I think he has more of a, a main role in that film.
0: Okay. More of a
2: major character as, as opposed to like a secondary character. Um, I have to
0: bust out that Blu-ray finally.
2: Uh, well, you got to get a Blu-ray player. <laughs> no,
0: that, 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 one, that, one's uni- that one's okay. That one's the that correct one. Play. <laughs> yeah, no, I actually, I went through because I was frustrated about Amelie. And I was like, how many movies can I not watch right now? And I have, there's a a, a British company, I think uh, Zavi Z-A-V-V-I, that do amazing steelbooks with like incredibly unique art, but they're British. And so occasionally I'll get like a universal disc with them, but uh, Apocalypse Now, mm-hmm. I have the, the two bonus feature discs I can watch. The mm-hmm. movie, I can't. Region B. And then Amelie is region B. The Descent is region B. Uh, Metropolis is also region B. Yeah. And uh, Metropolis is the reason I bought a Universal Blu-ray player. (laughs) And I can't watch it. um But yeah, like I said, I, I'm I'm hoping that I can find another one. I found a couple online. They tend to be a bit pricey. Like I think the cheapest I found was like two hundred dollars. Really? Yeah, which is a lot to pay for four movies. <laughs>
2: right. Well, I mean, well, uh, hopefully in the future this would you, you know you could also well we know you buy more movies so. <laughs>
0: We are running out of space right now. Like I, I think I have uh, space for like three more Criterions on my Criterion shelf. Oh. And then I think I have room for maybe three or four more in the rest of the shelf. So She's I wise. think at this point, I have five or 600 cases.
2: <laughs> so my DVDs and Blu-rays are actually in storage. <laughs> <laughs> Virginia. Uh, so i have i think it's a total of two large totes full yeah and i have since since i've moved i have co- i started my vhs collection takes up a lot more space yeah, a lot more
0: space
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Get into like the 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 plastic like snap cases like I I find myself like I, I'm drawn to them and it's a nostalgia thing I know and yeah I I, I don't know I, I don't know what is posi- here come over me here reef here to start
0: collecting these but they are taking why well, don't we talked about it because like I collect Blu-rays because to me it's the definitive version of the movie like it's got the best picture quality it has the most capability for sound and special features like you know it is far more capable than anything before it. You know, and I have like my Ghostbuster collection, I obviously have uh, I have it going all the way back to beta. <laughs> so I have beta of Ghostbusters, I have a laser disc uh, of Ghostbusters. I am not surprised. VHS coffees. But when you told me that you're collecting VHS, I think the first thing I said to you is why?
2: <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> I here is why. If I can watch a movie in its worst quality possible and still love it, it has earned a spot
0: in my collection i but no, i don't want to go through that hassle That that's i do i get a drive
2: from it i'm like all right l- just you know a little tidbit here of how extreme i caught on tangent here a while back um during quarantine like you know what movie was it i watched when i was a kid that i was just so in awe of and i had it on vhs and finally remembered it was merlin <laughs> merlin made for tv special yeah. um i i had uh some step-grandparents who had this massive vhs collection we used to go to their house and we would it was like blockbuster. We would just pick VHS tapes and take them back to the house on a Friday night and, you know, eat pizza and watch a tape. But me and my sister, we watched Merlin and we were just so, like, in awe of this movie. So I went on a mission. I was on a mission to hit up every thrift store possible. I hit McKay's. They've used DVDs, books, VHS tapes, which I don't think they have very many. But yeah, they, they, so,
0: they stopped taking them recently. They
2: stopped taking the VHS tapes, I do believe. But I was on the hunt to find this Merlin. Found it. Found it.
0: Does it live up to your dreams?
2: It does. It does. I watched it and I could not. I was so. I was so happy. I was so. I was. I was living my. I had my my uh, my pizza. You know. I had to like replicate the whole. <laughs> and I was like, this movie is is terrible. Actually, it is not that good. But it it, it it having it on VHS just made my heart sing. And then later, I found out that I could have streamed on Amazon. But anyways,
0: <laughs> I love I love that you're watching it like in like 480 uh resolution like it's all full screen there's no widescreen, so it's all pan and scan there's all these weird extra camera movements you're like yeah i love this (laughs) i do (laughs) this is the absolute worst way that i could possibly watch this movie and i'm all about it
2: i love it i love it i like to make things complicated
0: The the let me tell you.
2: I think I have uh, Romeo and Juliet too on VHS tape, and it is similar to that for me.
0: <laughs> that's such a crying shame to do that to some of those movies. I don't
2: do it to all of them, and I don't do it like you know. To to obviously, I love watching movies in their best quality as well. It's like let me let me really get a feel for this. Let me see all yeah. the minor. And I think that's also what's great about VHS is like so gritty. You don't really see very many mistakes. <laughs> Is that a Converse tennis shoe in the background there that wasn't there before? I'm not entirely sure because it's so grainy, but it's okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to not like a movie when you can't tell what's going on in it. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. ignorance is bliss yeah but man no like i think about that like i'm trying to think about watching city of lost children or amelie on vhs and how much that would rob those experiences
2: it would i think it would and i I will agree with you on that one i don't think that's something that i would want to have i think i would want to have it just out of principle I'd be yeah. like, here, here is my Jean Pierre Junet section of VH but I don't think that it, like as quality, I don't think that's something that I can yeah. like I do want to see some movies in their best possible
0: Absolutely. No.
2: Like getting dressed up for dinner. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you put on your, your coat and tails for it.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, for like but Merlin, I might go to McDonalds or something. <laughs> I can wear sweatpants but for Jean-Pierre Jeunet films we're going to get dressed up ball gown gloves tiara fake jewelry cuz you know yeah. budgets
0: 2000 <laughs> it's all costume jewelry. <laughs> no this is this has been great. This has been absolutely wonderful. I, I hope everyone understands why we I know I love Amelie and I believe you do as well and I'm getting to I'm, I I like I like City of Lost Children a lot. And I'm definitely going to watch it again. And I hope that people pick up on that. I hope everyone's listening. If you haven't seen them, and Will and I have talked about this before, with them being slightly older movies, you have to go more out of your way to watch them. Like You just can't happen across them. But if you get a chance, definitely check them out. I I personally (laughs) would say maybe start with Amelie. So that way they're already your good graces. And then get weird.
2: And then get weird. Yes. They're, they're both two extreme different. You're going to watch Amelie and you're going to feel happy. You're going to feel, you're going to, you're going to feel warm, Uh, maybe like a little happy, sad as well. Um, But, and also very, I don't know, silly. It's a silly film. It really, I
0: I think I told you this when we were discussing it. There's not been a single time that I've watched Amelie, like on a date or whatever, where the date did not go really well. (laughs) So
2: i i have to i'm a closet film nerd so i don't like that's something that i bring later i'm like okay, i'm gonna show you this really obscure french film and i hope you like it and please don't think of me differently after and this is like six months into the relationship but by the way i i'm a nerd <laughs>
0: I push all the weirdness up at front. That way I don't waste my time.
2: (laughs) I have to be careful with that. I have to be careful. I am into some weird stuff. I remember I was talking to a guy a long time ago and I made the mistake of sending them. It was a French new wave film called Daisy. I don't know if you're with that. Um, Real cerebral film, but great quality. It's so weird. There's these weird scenes with these pickles and, (laughs) and. And my favorite scene is 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 towards the end where they're they're in like a dining hall set for this big dinner, and they're just going, they're wreaking havoc everywhere, just stepping on the food in their heels, and just dancing their butts off, and just having a great time. It's it's it's. like a a female like like yeah power female type
0: you told me about like this was your cover photo for a while on facebook yeah
2: it is actually it's 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 the it's the picture of one of one of the uh girls heel her foot on a cake yeah stepping on this cake and i'm like if that's not me i don't (laughs) long story short i sent that to him because you could actually walk i think at that point it was on free i sent it to him and uh he stopped talking to me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> see, see, she just talking to me, And I was like,
0: listen. You <laughs> saved so much time. Do you really want to be in a relationship with a guy like that?
2: Not, no. no. You're right. No, I don't. But at the same time, I was like, even if we didn't go anywhere with this, like, I feel like you need to know about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Your life is still better because I shared this movie with you.
2: Exactly. And what happened to me? I'm still single. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you don't need that kind of negativity. No, I don't.
2: <laughs> <laughs> God forbid I would have showed him the city of lost children. He'd be like, "Are you on something?"
0: <laughs> so I want to bring you to this hospital that I like. Uh, it's a bunch of pillows all over the walls. <laughs> but now no, that,
2: this to get out. <laughs>
1: you
0: out No, but again like this this has been great. This has been a lot of fun uh to to sit there and dive into a movie. I know we've talked about film uh several times uh, in the span of our friendship and it's really fun to be able to discuss it quote unquote professionally. Uh but it was I feel, great.
2: Hmm? I feel perfect. Right? <laughs>
0: But no, it's great. Uh again, I hope everyone if you give them a chance, start with Amelie. It's the most accessible, happiest. You'll feel good after watching it. Uh, then get weird with them. Watch Delicatessen or City Lost Children. Uh Mic max is probably pretty accessible from what I remember. I don't remember it being terribly weird. But you know, you definitely can can play in those worlds, and I think you'd have a good time still.
2: Definitely, I I probably it, you may not have known it, but you definitely have probably seen Alien 4 if you are a grand film fan. And um uh next would definitely be <laughs> 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 I'm not trying to scare anybody. Not yeah, that I was,
0: always not that I was scary. I always have a hard time recommending Alien Four to anybody.
2: <laughs> well, I just did. <laughs>
0: All right. Wait, Andrea, thank you so much for doing this with us today. We're going to take a quick break and wrap up the show. And we have a big announcement for you. I think you're all going to love what we have in store for the next episode. Stay tuned. Hey there, everyone. Thank you so much for sticking with us after that break. Andrea, once again, it was absolutely amazing to have you on today.
2: Thank you. I had so much fun. I could talk about film for, well, an hour.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Which is good. That's about how long the podcast is. So perfect timing. But no, it's been absolutely amazing. You know, we'll probably see about getting you on some other time. Very, very, very glad that you were able to fill in for Will this week. So speaking of Will,
1: so we have some big news to announce, Will. We do. If you're familiar with the movies VHS or Siren. You should be really excited about our guests. We have the one and only Hannah Rose
0: Fearman, better known as Lilith from VHS and Siren. She is the I like you succubus. She's the one that makes men scream
1: in terror. It's definitely going to be a really exciting, spooky episode just in time for Halloween.
0: Absolutely. So, We're very excited. We are actually going to be talking about VHS and Siren with her. She's going to be sharing some really interesting stories with us. So it's going to be a nice little mixture. It's going to be kind of a part interview, part discussion about the movies. I'm sure it's going to be a very exciting episode.
1: Absolutely. So make sure to tune in next week. We'll see you then.